0: My name is Pastor Quint. I am the worship and family pastor here. Usually you see me uh, leading worship up here, but today I'm actually going to bring you part three in our series, uh, Get Your Hopes Up, which is based on the book Pastor Nicole and I wrote. We gave out over 600 copies of these, so I hope that you have one in your hands. There were a few in the lobby when I came in this morning, so if not, we definitely want to get that in your hands. Um, You can grab it on Amazon for $6, but... Um, We're working really hard to get your hopes up this season. The weather is not backing us up at all. It does not feel like spring. Um, I watch my weather app for when I might be able to take my motorcycle out for like an hour, and then I got to get right back in. Um, But last week, I was up here leading worship, and I caught a picture of myself on this screen back here. And if you've been coming a while, you know I have different colored glasses, and I had my white ones on, and they were so obnoxious. And so... I decided to wear my clear glasses today so you would hear what I have to say, not what my eyes are shouting at you. Um, someone actually asked me, what color are your glasses today, but um, had, had to go with something that was subtle so that actually this comes out and, and you catch it. Um, we've been doing these podcasts to go along with our book, so if you don't know about that, you can go to eriefirst.org, click media, and Pastor Nicole and I sat down and we just kind of went back and forth, they're like 10 or 12 minutes each. And they just kind of they come out right after church, like right around noon, and they set up the week that's coming. So today's uh, conversation between the two of us will set up actually the sermon I'm also going to preach on loving others well. Okay, so definitely check those out. And if you didn't catch the first two, you can go back and give them a listen. But they were they were fun, and they're just kind of some bonus material. Um, but we have an awesome day planned. Worship was a little shorter on the front end because we have baptisms today, so we're going to do worship some more worship at the end together. Um, before we do that, I want to get right into this topic, though, of loving others well. What does that look like? Um, this is something that's very close to my heart. It's not something I was naturally gifted at doing. I was kind of a punk as a kid, believe it or not, but God chose to move me into ministry anyways. Um, so this is something I've spent my whole adult life trying to get better at. I do feel like I am uh, better today, and you're probably encouraged to hear that since I'm a pastor at the church you go to. You would like it if you know, those of us in ministry are decent at loving others well. But loving others well is so important because it is how we will see people come to know Jesus Christ. And ultimately, without loving others well, there are no baptisms, okay? Not today, I just mean in general. And I don't mean that to say that we save people or that our love for them is enough to redeem people. I don't mean that at all. But I do say that to tell you that Christ gave us one job, okay? He commanded us to love God and to love others. In fact, if you read in Matthew 28, 19, this is called the Great Commission, And it says, Go out and train everyone you meet, far and near, in this way of life, marking them by baptism in the threefold name, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Then instruct them in the practice of all I have commanded you. And so when we are doing that job, we are living out the Great Commission, and that is how people come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. Amen? So let me pray, and then let's dive into this today. Lord, I thank, you for, uh, I thank you for this morning. I thank you for the opportunity to come together as your church. I thank you for the opportunity to be instructed from your word. And Lord, may the things I say not be my words, but may they be your words. May they pierce us where we need pierced. May they convict us where we need convicted. And may we leave here better equipped to love others well, better than when we came in. May we leave different today. Amen. Amen. All right. So a few years ago, actually just four years ago, I was working in sales and I was doing online business stuff on the side for my full-time job. And a friend of mine texted me. He was a pastor in Jamestown, New York, which is where I'm from. He texted me and he said, hey man, are you free for lunch? I was supposed to be in Kane, Pennsylvania doing sales. If you've ever been to Kane, Pennsylvania, it's about the size of this table. And I was supposed to be there, but I rearranged my schedule and I was going to go the next day. And so I happened to be in town and I said, yeah, let's let's meet up. And we had gotten lunch uh, the the month before. Um, He had just moved back from Phoenix, Arizona, and he was part of a young church in Jamestown called Conduit. Okay, and I was not going to church there. And when we when we got together in the month of February 2014, I asked him how his church was going. And he mentioned to me, it's going great. We're probably going to be needing a worship leader cool. He didn't know I was a musician, so it worked out great. He wasn't out angling for my services. He was just letting me know how it was going. I didn't think anything of it. The next month, he says, hey, are you free? I meet up with him. The first thing he says to me is, hey, did I mention that we're going to be looking for a worship leader? And then God got my attention, and I was like, ah, see, he wasn't from Jamestown, and I hadn't played music in eight years, so he did not know I was a musician. So what worked out really well is that I felt convicted, like, oh, maybe, maybe it's time for me to step back into music. And I was able to grill him for the next 45 minutes, uh, minutes of our lunch and say, so what would this hypothetical worship leader do? So like, what would their requirements be? So what would, what would, what? And at the end, I said, I think I could help you out. And he said, how? And I said, well, I play guitar, I play piano, and I sing. You do? I do. And so I went home, I talked to my wife, we prayed about it, um, and that random comment from him literally changed the course of my life. See, I could have never, I, I, I would have never built this type of path for myself, but by saying yes to that, God opened up doors that have blown me away over the last four years. In fact, it was four years ago tomorrow that I stepped on stage for the first time, led worship. There was 300 people there. It was Easter Sunday. I was so nervous. But it went, it went really, really well, and, uh, and here we stand today. So how does this translate to loving others well? We have a topic to cover today. This isn't just my story, but I did want to cover some of that. Um, what I have come to learn over the last four years as I have made the transition from business, from the, from the business world, into a full-time ministry is that regardless of what you call your vocation, we all have the call on our lives to love others well. Okay? And I believe that because I started out as a volunteer and then I got bumped up to part-time church staff and eventually I took this leap to full-time pastor, um, I have a very unique perspective because it wasn't that long ago that I wasn't a pastor. I was a church attender where most of you sit today. Um, But I realized as I started to feel this nudge towards ministry that if I couldn't or if I wouldn't live it out in my day job or at my home, it would never work for me as a part-time or full-time pastor. Because regardless of what you call your vocation, we all have the call on our lives to love others well. In John 4.23, Jesus is speaking. I believe he sums it up as clear as possible. So let me read it to you. He says, It's who you are and the way you live that count before God. Your worship must engage your spirit in the pursuit of truth. That's the kind of people the Father is out looking for, those who are simply and honestly themselves before him in their worship. Now, he is saying worship, but I believe living in ministry to others is a form of worship. Loving others well is a form of worship. It's worship of him through loving his people. It's obeying what he has said and when we obey him, we are worshiping him. Last week, I was standing in the back and Pastor Nicole said, bitterness can shut down your ministry. And you might have heard that and said, what ministry? I don't work at a church. There's a great quote for People who work at a church. No, here's the thing ministry is for everyone and it has the potential to happen everywhere. Okay? Remember, we read in Matthew 28 about making disciples, the Great Commission. That's for all of us who follow Christ. That was not specific to a church planting conference Jesus was at. That was to Christ followers, Christians. That's all of us. In fact, ministry is defined as a person through which something is done or accomplished. That's pretty broad, right? A a person through which something is done or accomplished. But in our context of faith in Christ, I believe that that means a person through which love and hope and encouragement and restoration and more are accomplished in people's lives. Does that make sense? See, we are the vessels to make that happen. That's why he gave us the Great Commission. He's called us to help make that happen. We are called to the ministry of loving others well when we claim faith in Christ. So let me give you some personal examples from my life over these last uh, four years. When I started out at my last church, um, it was a pretty simple agreement. I was part-time, $10 an hour, 10 hours a week. Pick songs, prepare songs, Lead people in the singing of songs. Pretty straightforward, right? But along the way, as I was doing this, I found that I had this intense heart for people. You can't stand up here and lead worship and watch people cry and watch people find joy and watch people impacted by the songs and not have it impact you. At least I couldn't. And so as I was doing this, I developed this intense heart for people to see them know Jesus better. And my, you know, My mantra, my motto was just, I'm going to do the best I can with what I have where I'm at. Pastor Mark Batterson, that's his definition of success, doing the best you can with what you have where you're at. And for me, when I did that, that was how I was able to love other people well. It was this mentality that let me find countless opportunities to love others well. Can I do better with what I have? Can I do better where I'm at? It's all stewardship. So uh, along the way, as I'm I'm leading worship there, it started with me and a hand drum, and it kind of grew, and and we got this band going, and uh, uh, a guy who's like one of my best friends now, I, I always do this. I start to cry when I tell these stories. Okay, so he texts me, and he says, hey, my wife, Ellen, is awesome at piano. She hasn't played in church in forever. You should use her i uh, yeah, uh, okay, I mean, I, we'll see. Why are you reaching out to me? Why isn't she reaching out to me? But he gets her on stage. She shows up early for rehearsal. And I was really good about, I mean, you can ask these guys. I do the best I can to have the music prepared and on your stand and ready to go ahead of time. I don't like wasting people's time. Don't waste my time, and I won't waste your time. That's like how I roll, Okay. So she shows up early and I don't have my stuff together and I'm like freaking out, I'm fumbling, trying to get her microphone set up at the piano and her music and everything. And I, I'm like, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Oh, I wasn't ready, I'm sorry. And she finally looked at me and she's like, dude, it's fine, stop saying sorry. And I was just like, okay, okay. She's very blunt, very matter of fact person, which I appreciate. But honestly, I apologized because I cared and I cared Because I believe that this opportunity, dang it, I always do this. I believe that this opportunity could matter for her. Giving her the chance to to be valued, you know, it's why we come up with service opportunities. It's not because we just want to put you to work. It's because that's, God can do ministry through you. And your life changes when ministry happens through you, when you let him use you. And so this is a story for a completely different day. But worship, the opportunity to worship literally did change That family's life. And so that's not a testament to me at all. That's a testament to what happens when we do all we can to love others well in the name of Jesus. Okay? Um, Cups of coffee. If you drink three cups of coffee per day, you surpass 1,000 cups somewhere around Thanksgiving, okay? In a year. I promise you, I drink at least 1,000 cups of coffee. Per year. Three cups of coffee is a light day for me, okay? I love Starbucks. So I can tell you um, some of the most amazing opportunities for ministry for me have happened over many a coffee at many a Starbucks. I can remember so many conversations with so many different people just talking about stuff that they needed sorted out in their lives. And for me, those were just opportunities for something to be accomplished ministry is defined as a person through which something is done or accomplished. I wasn't the one getting the stuff done. I was just willing to listen and let it get done through me. It was just obedience, okay? Anyone can do that. This is not exclusive to me. Anybody can be a vessel in this way. So as I operated from this position of willingness and service, God put this intense heart for others inside of me. This heart that makes me cry when I'm up here talking about my best friends, okay? He has done it for you, too. This isn't just exclusive to me. And if he hasn't done it for you, he will do it for you as you draw closer to him. Listen to this from 2 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians 1, verses three through five, it says, all praise to the God and Father of our Master, Jesus the Messiah, Messiah, Father of all mercy, God of all healing counsel, he comes alongside us when we go through hard times. And before you know it, he brings us alongside someone else who is going through hard times so that we can be there for that person just as God was there for us. We have plenty of hard times that come from following the Messiah, but no more so than the good times of his healing comfort. We get a full measure of that too. See, this is Paul writing to the Corinthians and saying, we are meant to be an encouragement to others. So as I stated earlier, we're going to baptize some folks today. And if you would like to take that step, you can do that today. Maybe you didn't sign up ahead of time. We didn't talk to you this week. You weren't at the class at 9. That's fine. You don't have to be. Um, You can come up this morning. We have extra stuff. We're prepared for people to say, I want to show what God has done inside of me. We're prepared today for that to happen. So don't feel like it's too late or you have to wait for the next one. But the baptisms we do today are only possible because someone took the time to love these people and show the light of Jesus to them. See, someone lived out this verse from 2 Corinthians, and because of that, we get to celebrate with them today. So who is God asking you to love well today? That's the question. Who has God put in your path that you could reach out and be a friend to, that you could start a relationship and potentially help them come to know Jesus Christ? If you've been reading through our devotional book, you know that in the first couple of weeks, Pastor Nicole wrote about breaking chains, and she preached on that last week. And then this last week was on fighting for hope in your life. And those are really real battles that apply directly to you. Breaking chains in your life, fighting for hope, in your own life. And we have been praying over the last 14 days that you have seen that happen that that has been happening in your life. But honestly, you don't do those things. We don't fight those battles just to end there with broken chains and hope for ourselves. We do them so the love of Jesus might grow. Galatians 5. Paul writes this in Galatians 5:13. He says it is absolutely clear that God has called you to a free life. Just make sure that you don't use your freedom as an excuse to do whatever you want to do and destroy your freedom. Rather, use your freedom to serve one another in love. That is how freedom grows. For everything we know about God's word is summed up in a single sentence, love others as you love yourself. That's an act of true freedom. See, the, the entire point of freedom in Christ is to see it grow, to spread that love. And that's exactly why this section of the book, today's message, the podcast that comes out at noon, it all centers on this idea of loving others well. Loving others well is the duty we have been called to. Loving others well means giving them room for growth, giving them room to fail, but also giving them room to succeed. Right? To discover exactly who God made them to be. Someone did that for you, and someone did that for me. And actually, I wrote some ones. Many people have done that for you, and many people have done that for me. My friend who randomly said to me, Did I tell you we're going to be looking for a worship leader? He didn't know it, but he was giving me an opportunity. He was loving me well, giving me the opportunity to fail miserably or to let God blow open the rest of my life, right? Okay, so I just said that loving others well is the duty we've been called to. Paul Young, who's an author and a speaker, he explains this in a really unique way, so I'm gonna kind of steal some of his stuff here, but see, I don't want you to get tripped up on the verbiage or the word duty, right, when I say this is the duty we've been called to. I don't want you, I don't want you to hear me saying like, you're obligated to walk out of here and go love others. That's, I, that's not the point. Let me reframe it. Duty is synonymous with the word responsibility. Both of these are nouns. So both of these are they are dead words. They are things you possess. You possess a duty. You possess responsibilities, things you have to do. They're they're like a weight almost, right? But if we flip it on its head and we make it a verb, instead of having a responsibility, now what you have is you have an ability to respond. Right? So Instead of having the responsibility to love people, what you have is you actually have an ability to respond to all that God has done in your life by loving others well. Does that make sense? If you make this a living, breathing action you can live out, you'll find life, right? It's not something you do out of your own strength. It's something you let him do through you. In fact, today's takeaway, this is today's takeaway. You have been given the ability to respond in love towards others always. Always. Okay? So for me, I'm the worship and family pastor here. This all comes out as worship. I don't mean worship in the, in the act of singing songs, right? Uh, I think too often that's kind of what, where we pigeonhole worship to. I think everything has the opportunity to, to be worship. I think when we take the time to love others well, We are worshiping God with our daily lives. One of my favorite, favorite verses is Romans 12, 1 and 2. It says, so here's what I want you to do, God helping you. I want you to take your everyday, ordinary life. This is from the message translation. Your sleeping, eating, going to work and walking around life and place it before God as an offering. This is truly what worship is. It is an all day, everyday type of thing okay? Eugene Peterson, uh, this is a a copy of the message and he has these intros to all of his books. And at the beginning of Ezra, I I was reading the introduction to Ezra just a month or two ago and he says this quote that just like leaped off the page like my bright white glasses, okay? He says, worship is the most all-absorbing, comprehensive act in which we can engage. This is how our God-formed identities become most deeply embedded in us okay so if worship is the if we really believe that worship is the most all-absorbing comprehensive act in which we can can engage that means everything has the potential to be worship because everything it's all-encompassing, right? That's what, that's what he believes. That's what I believe. Worship is all-absorbing, comprehensive. It covers everything. Everything we do has the potential to be placed before him as an offering, like Paul said in Romans 12. So when we believe that, now we see loving others well is an opportunity to worship. Let me share a funny but real-life example um, about how in this life we're allowed to go over the top. I believe some of what that quote says, all-absorbing, comprehensive, this is a big topic, right? He's, he's saying, go all in, go all in here, right? So here's an example of going over the top, showing people that we care. Um, many, Some of you might not know this. If you're out of the loop, I'll fill you in. My wife and I have four kids, four years old and under, Okay. We have three kids as of Friday, two years old and under, okay? Our second and third child, Preston and Charlotte, are only eight months apart. Now, you probably look at me and say, Quint, I don't think you know how pregnancy works. You can't have two kids that are eight months apart, to which I would say, clearly we don't know how pregnancy works. We have two kids that are eight months apart. Uh, The actual reason they are so close together is Charlotte was a preemie. They were going to be the healthy spacing of 10 months apart. So don't judge us, okay? (laughs) Actually, this is Charlotte's heartbeat um, from the day that Aaron went into labor. So if you've ever seen this, people ask me, like, what's the sound waves? That's three of Charlotte's heartbeats 12 days before she was born. Okay. So anyways, going over the top, I'm not talking about our family planning. Okay. I'm t- I actually have a point here. Um, every week my wife's grandma comes and geez, I'm going to do it again. Sorry. All right. Every week my wife's grandma comes and she helps at our house for an entire day. And actually since Bennett came, she's been coming up, She's there right now with two of our kids because it's, it's such a circus, we can't bring them all here. So, um, so she's there right now. This is like her half day, okay? Um, she literally does this out of the goodness of her heart. She doesn't ask for a dime. Most days, she brings her own lunch. I, all right, I can't make this stuff up. She is completely gracious, over-the-top supportive, and there have been people in her life who have criticized her and said, Sue, you are nuts. What you do for them is completely over the top. And you know what? They are completely right. What she does for us is totally over the top. It's nuts. She chooses to take, she's retired, and she chooses to take a day and a half of her week and just give them to us. She comes and says, what am I doing today? Could you Murphy oil my piano? Sure, I'll bring my own Murphy oil. She, she vacuums. She brings her own vacuum so she can do it right. I mean, she is all in, okay? Here's the thing, okay, to these people who would criticize her. In this life, you're allowed to go over the top loving people, right? And so you're allowed to be so generous with your time, so generous with your compassion, so generous with your heart, and you can love others right where they are even when they don't deserve it even when they don't necessarily appreciate it even when other people think you're nuts even when other people tell you it's not a good use of your time remember today's takeaway you have been given the ability to respond in love towards others always and how you choose to do that i'll tell you what what matters most is what does jesus think of doing with of what you're doing with your time that's what matters that's the one person that it matters to. Everybody else is just opinions, okay? I would argue that all that matters is what Jesus thinks about what we are doing to steward our time, our talents, and our treasure. We vote with our time. We vote with our money. We vote with our skills that he has blessed us with and how we give them back to him, okay? In Matthew 25, Jesus tells the parable of the talents. He talks about the different levels of money that a master gave his servants to see what they would do with it. And if you read the story, you find out that the servants who are rewarded are the ones who took risks. They didn't play it safe. They didn't sit on their money. They didn't go bury it in the ground to ensure it wasn't compromised or lost. The servants who blessed the master the most were the ones who immediately went to work and doubled his investment. That's what it says in the word. See, we all have been given some level of talent to love others well, right? We all have been given the ability to respond by loving others. Some of us are better at it than others. I mentioned I was a punk kid, right, that I, I wasn't the greatest friend when I was younger. Um, so maybe personalities or backgrounds or circumstances play into it, but we all have been given some level, no excuses, right? And we all have some level of influence we can steward to help see freedom grow. Maybe some people, upbringing, personalities, background, are just, it's easy for them. And maybe for you, it's not as easy, but you can still do it in some way. You can still love others well. So as we celebrate these baptisms today, I want you to see the people we're baptizing. But I also want you to visualize those who God has placed in your life that you might be able to sway towards the kingdom. Be the type of servant, regardless of your talent level, who immediately goes to work to double your master's investment. And trust him to fill the gaps. Let him keep score. It's not on you to produce the results. It's on you to just operate in obedience and let him bring the results. In fact, that you'll read about that. I don't remember exactly what day it is, but in the devotional called Abide. It's all about... You just trust him. You abide in him. And he automatically brings the results on the backside. So let me close with this verse today from Philippians 1, 9 through 11. So this is my prayer, that your love will flourish and that you will not only love much, but love well. Learn to love appropriately. You need to use your head and test your feelings so that your love is sincere and intelligent Not sentimental gush. Live a lover's life, circumspect and exemplary, a life Jesus will be proud of, bountiful in fruits from the soul, making Jesus Christ attractive to all, getting everyone involved in the glory and praise of God. That is what we have been challenged to do this morning. We are called to love others, to build them up, and then empower and send them out let me pray. Lord, I thank you for the fact that you include us in this at all, the fact that you trust us, that you enable us, um, that you give us people and leaders in our life to raise us up and help us be better at loving others well. I pray over every person in this room that as, as we've broken chains in our life and we fought for hope, that as we turn kind of turn the midway point of this book and this study together, that you'd help us to see how we can love others well throughout this week, that you'd help us see um, where you have gifted us and put talents inside of us to do that. That is my prayer and encouragement over every person in this room. Amen.